Itch, episode three, season two, the Sporting Post. We're flying through it. We've had some audio troubles. We think we fixed them. We're good to go. Yep, I reckon we're good to go. Yep, yeah. absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Um, got a great interview lined up with, with Bridget. Do you want to take us through that real quick? No, nah, well, we just got off the phone with Bridget Island, who was the captain of the Australian women's water polo team in the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games when they won the gold medal. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Big, big yeah, deal. Big, big deal. Absolutely. It was the first, correct me if I'm wrong, which I think it was the first time water polo was played at the Olympics. Yeah, no, that's correct. That, it was it was the very first time. You'll forever be remembered as the first winning captain of the gold medal of a women's water polo team. Great to talk to her. And she told us some interesting things. Yeah, got lots to talk about. Like that, the way that they won the gold medal is is a story worth sticking around for, to say the very least. <laughs> I reckon you've done a good plug there so people will listen. It is. It really is. Uh, no, you've done it justice there, mate. Absolutely. Stick around if you want to hear that. She's also got a few a few great tips to um for people that you know, want to start swimming the careers, the water polo careers, how hard she works. Got some great insights there, doesn't she? Absolutely. All right. And um, look, there's just before we get into it, did you want to uh, take out anything from the weekend? What, is, what have you got for us? Well, I mean, look, I think, I think for me, obviously the weekend of footy is always a big deal. And I think, the biggest story for for me was seeing Buddy back out there on the field. Obviously, he's had a he's had a horrid run with injuries uh, over the past few years and uh, didn't really take the park. He's been brutally injured the last few years, hasn't he? Yeah, but yeah, it was great to see him back out there. He kicked a few goals, which is always nice. But just good to see him running around. He looked really fit as well. Like he, he looked like how he looked back in his Hawks days. Obviously, I'm a Hawks fan. He looks fit. He looked hungry. He he was freaking demanding the footy. He wanted it. Yeah, and that, that's a great thing to see. Buddy of old, absolutely. I'm I'm really I'm really hoping he um gets to that 1,000 goal mark. Um, he's he's pretty close now. I think he's on like what 900 close to 950 so he'll, he'll get there well we haven't seen anyone storm the ground for years now have we mm, no we need we need something to storm the ground about no even even guys like um, matthew richardson and matthew lloyd never quite got there but buddy buddy looks like he's a real good chance yeah uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't bet against him at this stage that's it but yeah great to see him back out there really good stuff yeah. um especially as a hawk fan i've got a as much as kind of broke my heart when he left to the when he left for the swans got a little crush on him got a little little crush on buddy yeah just a little bit <laughs> uh no i want to i wanted to bring up like another big man from the opposite end of the ground actually that game mm-hmm. uh big tex walker i think this is a great story because tex was one of the best well voted the best captain 2017 i think it was when adelaide lost to tigers in the grand final and that's really put on down path since then and yeah look, we'll probably never know but it, it probably did affect tex in some mental way unfortunately oh you you would have thought so yeah He's, he's had a rough time. Which, it sucks. But like, I think it's fantastic the way that he's played the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. He was the best ball striker. Like, There's not really many different ways to kick a footy, but Tex just looks like he's... You know what I mean? Tex just... Found a few more. And it's gorgeous to watch. <laughs> and like, to have that back in the game, he's kicking... Yeah. Kick six or seven on the weekend. Could have easily kicked nine or ten, I think. Yeah. Might have kicked six goals or something like that. Like, he could have... Could have had a few more. It was great. Absolutely. I think he was playing on Dane Rampey, who's an all-Australian defender. Quality player. Just done him in. Oh. It was just awesome to watch. Like the guy that the guy that's come back through a bunch of adversity. Like people thought his career was gone. You know, if you were the Crows at the end of last year, you would have probably been happy to delist him if if he wasn't in contract. Yeah. The fact that he's back now, he's kicking goals, he's got his confidence back up. I think it's great for the game. Mm, great to see. Yeah. I do think his um what was admittedly a, a horrific performance in the grand final for him and for his team. Yeah, and what wasn't just by him either. It was by the whole team. Yeah, not 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 just him. Um, but obviously he he 
took the load for both from his own individual performance and also um, as the captain of the team. Yeah. Um, fairly or unfairly, that, that the horrid performances fall on the shoulders of the captain and the coach. Um, and as one of those two, um, he had to wear the responsibility for that. And I think hopefully um, he's come out the other side after a couple of years of um, not looking in great shape. Hopefully he's turned the corner, which would be great. Nah, great for footy. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. Great for us because we love good footy. Yeah, that's it. Look, Mitch, we've got a long interview coming up, so let's crack straight into it, I think. Yeah, let, let, let's crack straight into it. Let's go. Let's get right into our interview with Bridget Island. Bridget Island, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, for someone who might not know your household name, can you can you give us a bit of a background about yourself? Sure. I was the captain of the Australian women's water polo team that won the gold medal at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. I've been playing water polo since I was about 10 years old um, and grew up very close to a, a very special water polo pool in Perth and had a dream very early when I was young that I wanted to go to the Olympics uh, captain the team and be the best player in the world. 18 years later, I managed to achieve most of those things. So I'm um, uh, a very satisfied, uh, retired water polo player now. Yeah. Um, obviously, playing in the Olympics, competing in the Olympics is the pinnacle of um, many sports um, and water polo is no exception. Can you Can you take us into what it was like being a competitor in those games, obviously, uh, two weeks out of the out of every four years, can you take us into what it was like um, during that period of time? Yeah, it was incredible. It was probably one of the the glory times of sport in Australia. It was before the GFC and all sorts of things that were happening. So there was a lot of money uh, and sponsorship around. So it was just a, a wonderful time to be part of elite sport and mm. the Olympics being in Australia were so incredible. They were everything you can imagine times 100. It was the most uh, amazing experience to be a part of and anything you can think of. It was it was just so much better. It was uh, wonderful to be um, in Australia. You know, we were, especially in Sydney, we mm. played a lot. It's very familiar to us um, as a team. Yeah, same. So we're very lucky in those respects. Leading into the Olympics, I guess water polo isn't. Uh, it's a sort of a minority sport. I guess it's not a. It's not a huge glory sport where we get a lot of um, sort of media attention. And um, as a team, with sort of the three years prior to the Olympics, we were ranked third. Then the year leading, you know, two years out of the Olympics, we were ranked second, and then the Olympic year we were ranked first. So it was very exciting to us in that. And actually, winning the Olympics was sort of the fruition of all our labour and, and, and efforts over the past sort of five years. So it was a very special experience as a team mm. um, and with our coach as well. So it was incredible. We had, uh, I, I guess you could say, like a bit of a glory run through the whole yeah. situation and the whole lead-up. We are very, very lucky. No, that's. I think you've undersold that a bit, though, Bridget. Like you were, you were captain of a gold medal winning team in front of your home crowd yeah. at the peak of your career. Like it doesn't get, in terms of storylines, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, it was, it was amazing. I think we had our anniversary last September, and just um, and we had to do it by Zoom, of course. And all the girls were there in there where they live now and it was just amazing actually catching up and talking about what we, what we missed and what we really liked about it. it was really interesting to see people's different perspectives and our coach um was Hungarian his name was Istvan Gorgenyi and we'd had him um as our coach for about four years before the Olympics and he essentially revolutionized the way we played like we'd had a a very sort of a different way style of play and then Istvan came with us and changed our, our style to more of a Hungarian 
method and it was just so great as an older player or a quite an experienced player to have a new lease on life and like new challenges. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, it was fantastic. And he's just the most amazing coach. And I, I don't think we would have been able to do it without him. In fact, we couldn't have done it without anybody in our group. It was just such a fantastic team. Everything just everything just kind of clicked and everything just worked out. Yeah, and we didn't realise because actually Ishvan's a criminal psychologist as well, so he was very, very good at um, the team dynamics. That's his forte. He actually has this thing that he does now with a professional team it's called the hunting territory. Mm. So it's essentially about making sure every player is hunting or playing where they love to be and that no one, the other players surrounding them, don't impede on their area and position so he worked very hard in making sure everyone was happy and playing in their their best positions because that was their 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 greatest asset and of course if you're happy you play better and he was just phenomenal that so we didn't even really realize he was doing all this stuff to us at the time yeah until now even 20 years later when i meet up with him so i meet up with him regularly when he's in australia or if i'm overseas or something yeah i catch up with ishvan and and we talk about it and I talk about what he what he achieved with us and how he did it. And he said, you know, it was never about ever we never ever spoke about winning ever. It was all about getting each of our processes right and our movements. Um, he had all these amazing sayings like um yeah. has this one called Chicky Chucky, which is Hungarian and it means when I do something it opens up something for someone else. So that was what our team was all about. This sounds very interesting, Bridget. It sounds like you're really ahead of the trend kind of here because we got yeah. a lot of that mindfulness stuff going on in the AFL. Yes. We you know like the the working with the cricket Australian cricket team as well. Like that's um yeah, a, a very ahead of the curve, I would have thought. For two year two thousand as well. Yeah. He was amazing. And so it was all about um that sort of thing and, and at the time it we were a little bit oblivious to it all but now looking back and thinking and, and really analysing everything that happened to us and, and what he's trying to do with us as a team, you really realise his magic that he did on everyone. Yeah, uh, I guess obviously we would all realise that um, competing in the Olympics and getting to that stage and winning the gold medal takes a lot of hard work um, and takes a lot of perseverance. Can you give us a bit of insight into kind of obviously you, you've mentioned a little bit already but I guess how much work you had to put in day in, day out to, to get to where you ended up getting um, in the year 2000? Yeah, so... We love for people to take stuff out of this podcast, Bridget, so get, put it into perspective for, um, <laughs> for you know, your average your average punter trying to get into the into an Olympic team. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so we would train about seven hours a day in various forms. So it would be swimming training, um, uh, I guess, you know, you've got to warm up, you've got to warm down, you've got to activate beforehand. Yeah, no, we gotcha. So it's a genuine full-time job really, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And then you've got gym strength and conditioning as well. And then you actually then have water polo training. So Jesus. Um, swimming takes up a big part of it. Um, yeah. So, for instance, we do a lot of swimming and, say, mobility drills and things in the morning um, for a few hours. Then um, we would come back and then and have specific water polo training in the evening. And that would change, of course. And then we'd have uh, sort of strength and conditioning on top of that on sort of alternate days. So, um, and it's a seven-day-a-week thing. And... It's it's just consistency, really. You've got to be able to have the strength of mind and the and I guess the focus. Um, so you've got to have a really good set of long term, short term goals. You've got to really understand why you're doing what you're doing. And I think it's also a personality. You've got to have the right personality where you, it's it can be mundane and boring and and relentless, but you just have this competitive streak in you where you want to achieve, you want to get better, and every second in training is about 
improving yourself. Yeah, it's a good attitude to have, isn't it? Reaching, yeah, the pinnacle that you can reach. And that's sort of how you get through it. You just essentially have this, this huge hunger and a love for what you do. And it's addictive, really, when you get that healthy and fit, I guess. It's it's an addiction. So, And when when things happen in your training or games and things that you play, it, it is addictive. You, you get these adrenaline rushes and these rushes that you just love and you love competing and you love the situation and the nerves and you love the whole part of it. And and that's sort of you start to realise how important it is in your life and, and it sort of gets you through mm. um, to these big moments. And sometimes the big moments, they're fantastic and it was fantastic to achieve what we did and sometimes it, and afterwards you really have to I, I used to like just sitting by myself and contemplating you know what 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 we've done because you know you go to lots of tournaments you have lots of world cups and world swimming championships and things along the way and I really like to to make it a personal thing um I wasn't I wasn't a sort of a player that would be about you know um I suppose being you know highly expressive and and running around the place you know saying woo aren't we great sort of thing it was more it was very much a personal journey <laughs> okay I was wondering where you were going with that um and 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 I think um a lot of good athletes and sort of elite athletes for them it's also a very and, and there's a lot of personal things you have with yourself that you're trying to achieve and 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 you know, even when you're at that sort of level, you know, you know your own flaws and you know the things that aren't, aren't you're not good at and the things that you're trying to hide in your game and the things that you're trying to exaggerate and make, you know, the good things that you can do. Um, so you know all these sort of things in yourself and so as you sort of progress through, it just becomes a very personal thing and, and always was for me. Yeah, no, well, that's that's a very interesting take and like you said, like it all builds up to that, that yeah. pinnacle that you had but it almost didn't it almost didn't end like that. Like, no. Tell us about, well, first of all, tell us about your um, the last-minute goal in the, the semi-final that may or may not have been scored by you and then tell <laughs> us about the, uh, the final goal in the uh, the grand final as well. All right, so we, through, through uh, the few le- sort of years leading up to the Olympics, the uh, FINA, which is the International um, Swimming and Water Polo and Synchronised Swimming um, Body, um, decided to make a few rule changes. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of different rule changes happening in the sport. And as you know, you know that happening, happens in footy and, and stuff now as well. Yep. And when you're a bit of an older player, it's sort of hard to, you know, have these new things thrust upon you. Um, and so we were in the grand final, so the gold medal game, um, we were playing in the US and uh, they were sort of a team that had really improved a lot. They had an excellent coach as well. And every game that we'd sort of been playing with them in the lead up in the last sort of two years out of the Olympics, they'd been getting closer and closer and closer. And this coach really had worked us out as a team. Um, so the last game we played against them in a tournament, a sort of a lead up tournament, I think it was 1 0. Mm. It was just, that's never heard of in water polo. Maybe it was 2-1, something like that. It was just so low. Normally games, you know, in the 10, 10, 7, 10, 11, you know, sort of thing. Um, so it was just the most horrendous game because um, I was a centre forward and, and I would literally have a player just come and sit on me the whole time. I was like dragging sort of this defender up and down. And then when, she, when she'd get out, the next one would come in. So I was just constantly tagged. I was just the most... Um, energy sapping type of game and that's exactly what the the grand final was like it was a very very hard game it was um just physically draining and of course at you know at the end of a long period of time there was we were tired anyway and then luckily we had a uh, younger player her name was Yvette Higgins and she was I think um 
quite a bit younger than all of us and she'd been privy to all these new rule changes and with 1.3 seconds to go we uh, got a kick out so that's when someone does major fouls another player so one of the US girls major foul mm. one of our players and was excluded from the game yeah and what you normally do is set up an extra player or an extra man sort of attack and we sort of did that and as the ball was getting thrown back to where the foul occurred, which was with a vet, it happened to be outside of seven metres where she took where the foul occurred, where this um, kick out occurred. Now there was a new rule that had come in probably a year before. Normally you can't couldn't um, shoot a shoot a goal up on a foul, so you had to pass the ball and then we could shoot. But um, this new rule change was out of seven metres, you could actually shoot and so everyone was waiting for a vet to pass it one and then we'd shoot and said so she just had the shot off the foul and sort of caught everyone out um um by surprise and scored the goal so yeah so one one the final 1.3 seconds how how long's a game of water polo um so it's four 15 minute quarters which and so it goes for about an hour right yeah so the last second of an hour long oh yeah like a two-year like a two-year pain oh came down to the last second and i had no idea what was going i really had no idea what was going on (laughs) then the big scoreboard said zero and i thought i was thinking is it a goal because everyone's all the all the americans were jumping around and guy their coach was jumping around yeah you know like oh you're saying they're jumping around in anger or makes a difference yeah yeah like no it's not a goal you know sort of like this questioning and there's just the crazy seven people up in the stands all screaming and I'm sort of looking at you know sort of thinking, what's going on the scoreboard says there's no time left what's happening and then um the ref called it to the middle I thought wow that's a goal it's a goal Kate brought it back to the middle blew the whistle whoop, and then whoop, the siren went off and it was like oh my gosh we won you know wow <laughs> like, oh, I don't think I'm tired anymore I was so tired anyway yeah Jeez. I can only can only imagine the scenes on that Mitch like that would just be yeah how many thousand how many people did you say were there Bridget to, to in the crowd there were seventeen thousand people at um, the Sydney Aquatic Centre, and you could probably you could probably bet that at least sixteen and a half thousand of those were Australians as well. Crazy. Um, we never played in front of that many people, you know. So it was it was a real, it was a wild thing. It was the whole thing was wild, and because during the week, as we've been playing, we've been winning and we've been getting a little bit more media. So we sort of became a bit of a, a um, you know this gold medal hope. We all we knew we were anyway, but um, then the the public. Did you did you have that pressure on you though? Like, did you feel that that expectation or the pressure? No, no, because we um, Ishvan would never sort of. We we're very isolated. We really didn't spend in, in the village. We would just be with ourselves in the Australian section. Yeah. Um, which is what you do normally in a competition, you really just stick to yourselves, and we're very isolated in that sense. Oh yeah. And we just kept ourselves grounded we we're very good at being like that and Ishran was as well it was never about winning or losing it was about the perfection of what we could do in the water so you know sometimes you'd, you'd wander over to the you know the food food place or whatever and some something someone would say something to you and you'd be like oh yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah we'll do our best you know we'll We'll try and win, you know. mm. and we never we were never used to any sort of media attention because it's not that not that high profile of a sport. So yeah, we we're good at keeping ourselves just at the right level there. But when we walked out because to the you know seventeen thousand people, we were warming up, and I don't know if in Sydney Aquatic Centre you've got all these sort of tunnels underneath, and we're just sitting behind the grandstands and we're just waiting. We thought normally before a game you go out and you watch the game beforehand just to have a you know have a bit of a chill and have a look at the pool and, and it was the Dutch playing the Russians, I think, in the bronze medal game. And we walk out, we're just on pool deck and there's some chairs here, you know, all set up. It's all beautiful and gorgeous. And we walk out 
And as a team, we're just sort of sitting there. And then we just hear this, <laughs> and it was just weird. Everyone, we everyone sort of looked at each other and we, oh, we all sort of scuttled under the back away. <laughs> yeah. Never had that kind of reaction ever. It was like, oh, my gosh. And so we just went and sat just in the corridor waiting to go to the warm-up pool out the back where no one could see anyway. <laughs> it was just bizarre. Got freaked out and ran away, if you know what I mean. So let's go inside. This is too much. Yeah, it was really, it was incredible. Uh, so as a result of your accomplishments um, as an Australian athlete, uh, you've been inducted into uh, a few different awards or categories, I guess. Uh, so yeah. the Australian Institute of Sports, Best of the Best, uh, the Water Polo Hall of Fame for Australia um, and the Sports Hall of Fame of Australia. Um, can you talk us through, I guess, what that's like being recognised amongst some of the greatest athletes, both in uh, your specific sport in Australia and just in Australian sport in general, uh, kind of that accomplishment. Can you talk us what, about what that, that's kind of like? Yeah, so it's it's um, it's almost surreal, especially because it always sort of generally comes a little bit after you finish your playing your sport. But like I said before, I my sport was always about it was a very personal um, journey and personal reasons. Um, yeah, really highly um, intrinsic kind of motivation so my motive of motivation has never been about sort of receiving awards or anything but I did in fact over my career receive receive a lot um and it's very humbling and it's really amazing because a lot of the other people that are in those sort of things you sort of look up, looked up to for inspiration and to be sort of categorized on their sort of level is is oh it's it's an incredible feeling and it's sort of I guess sometimes think, wow, that's um, questioned a little bit, I guess. And, um, and I've also always been quite humble with all those sorts of feelings. And I've never sort of, I mean, that was never my um, motivation to, to do my sport. But um, it is a really wonderful, lovely feeling because now as, um, you know, an older person and I feel very accomplished. I feel very complete. I feel like, um, you know, I take a lot of whatever I've learned in my sport through to other aspects of my life. Um, I feel very satisfied, you know, um, with everything. Uh, and it's, yeah, that is probably one of the nicest feelings you could ever have, I think, as a person where you feel you've achieved your potential in in something and you know that you could then potentially re reach your potential potentially reach your potential that doesn't sound right you could reach your potential in anything that you you really could choose to do mm, gotcha now that's a cracking insight bridget it really is um look and we're out of time but you just Matt, you got me really thinking about just one other thing you mentioned like how you look up to people they're in the uh, australian sports hall of fame and you, you get inspired by them how does it feel, just quickly, knowing that you and your team probably inspired a wave of new uh, water polo players in the country? How, did, how does that sit with you? Yeah, I think that's really lovely. I hope we did inspire. It obviously, it wasn't a very popular sport, but now kind of looking around, I feel no. I didn't wasn't around in 2000. Well, I was, but I wasn't <laughs> old enough to know much about it back then. But, like, you know, now looking around, it's there's a lot of people playing water polo and is it I think it'd be fair to say that a fair bit of that is down to yeah down to your accomplishments wouldn't it I I agree I agree we were I think we were a really special team and I think um we are we're a really great example of how a team should be and how a team should be together uh and and, and how a team should interact with their coach um and I think what we achieved was a really amazing thing and I I am really happy that we could inspire 
people and girls and boys, everyone, and water polo players to, you know, people to join water polo as a sport because it's a wonderful sport. And secondly, just trying to um, inspire people to be the best they can be. So regardless of what level you get to, if you get in and you have the consistency, you have uh, focus, you have a goal, whatever the goal is um, that you really set about, uh, working towards it um, and then you can achieve, you know, sort of anything you can set your mind to because we did, you know, we did. In fact, I had, um, the current, was it the current captain um, asked me one day, she said, and kind of said, how did you know you could do it? And I said, just because I, we just knew we had yeah. this yeah. innate belief in ourselves, this innate, you know, desire to, to achieve, but we, I never for one second thought I couldn't win the gold medal. That sounds a lot like Shades of, of Richmond in 20 or like the last three years, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, when you get the right dynamic, it's just, it's just a joy to be a part of. It just flows and everything's just, it's just so nice to be with the people that, you're with and you know every time you get into the water it's just it's like a it's like an art form it's an expression and footy be the same you feel like you you're physically expressing yourself it's amazing uh, that's beautiful absolutely all right Bridget well thank you so much for your time what a pleasure uh, obviously as Seb said we're out of time <laughs> before I went on and talked about something else but <laughs> we are out of time <laughs> um but yeah uh, we really appreciate having you on board you've given us an incredible insight into um a, a fantastic water polo team um, and a fantastic career that, that you've managed to have as well so thank you so much for your time um and we'll, we'll we'll see you again soon yeah thank you so much thanks for having me i've really enjoyed it thank you no worries take care mitch how was that oh bridget is an interesting like oh, interesting person interesting experience yeah mate fantastic um story fantastic person to speak to um really insightful had had a lot of words of wisdom for us um and just the way that that team ended up winning was just something remarkable scoring in back-to-back games getting through off like last last minute last second goals even is just is is quite remarkable yeah. um and it, i think it speaks to um the drive and the will that that team had they just believed that no matter what that they had that they that they were going to be the team that came out and on top and that look what that brought them yeah well i think i mentioned it a few times in the interview like that really reminded me of shades of richmond 2017 that we like we all know like how they got yeah ben crow emma murray they did all the mindfulness stuff you know they all bought in like i think it's it's an untold story that they were doing this in the year 2000 yeah it's a good point actually like we kind of think of this mindfulness and um meditation thing to be like a new wave kind of thing yeah like post 2015 even is when it really started to pick up steam but these girls uh, were doing it 10 15 years before most of us had heard anything about it um so it just goes to show yeah how cool is that yeah absolutely mitch we've made a long episode long enough already so we have yeah like we leave there we can't thank bridget we can't thank bridget enough for her time dead right and uh, thank you we can't thank you all for enough for your time either so for listening to bridget listening to us moan on as we always do <laughs> thank you for joining the sporting post with us again thank you very much we'll catch you next week catch you next week bye